Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Hub World Podcast. Today's episode is a very special episode. It's the last episode of the year, and as is tradition, we will be covering our 2023 Game of the Year Awards. My name is Jules, and today I am joined by... Mateo. And Gino. Whether you're joining us from YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, be sure to like and subscribe. Now, let's start the discussion. It's our Game of the Year Awards. So... If you've joined us in previous years, you'll kind of know how it goes. Um, But just because we've changed it a a couple times in the last two years, I'll just remind everybody what we're doing. So these are our Game of the Year awards. Um, In previous years, we talked about films. We're not going to be talking about films uh, today. We're just going to be talking about games. Also, in previous years, we did talk about games that we played during the year that didn't necessarily release during the year. Uh, We are still going to talk about those today, but we're going to reserve it for just one award rather than embedding them throughout. So for most of the time, 2023 Game of the Year awards will be about 2023 games, um, especially because it was a hell of a year for gaming. So there's lots for us to talk about. I do also want to remind everybody that these are our personal awards, so we are going to be as subjective and biased as we would like to be. We did not play every game that came out this year, and in fact, many of us didn't even play some of the big games that came out this year. So mm-hmm. if you are hearing, you know, like, we think this game deserves this award, keep in mind we are only drawing from the games we have played. It is not us saying that other games didn't deserve it. It is purely our own opinions, and we want to be able to voice them. If you want to contribute to that discussion, be sure to leave a comment. We would love to hear what your favorite games of the year were. But as the format will go, we'll introduce what the award is. Each of us will present what our winner of that award is, and then we'll talk a little bit about why we chose it, and then we'll move on. What I want to start with I think, I think you know, it is 2023, we had a fantastic year of gaming, and I think we should just start with what was our most pleasantly surprising game of the year. So, like, which game, this doesn't necessarily have to be the best game, it doesn't necessarily have to be a game that is, like, the peak of its genre or gameplay or level design, but it's just a game that we were surprised in some pleasant way. I'd like to actually start this one off, because... It actually was a game that you suggested to me, Jules. I wasn't going to play this game without a suggestion, or if I was, it would be like significantly later, uh, or like possibly in a few years. And that game, for me at least, is uh, Final Fantasy XVI. I had no real intentions on playing the game at any point this year, just because I was... Like, I was convinced that I was still going to be playing Zelda, and I had uh, Baldur's Gate 3 around the same time when you eventually finished the game and lent it uh, over to me. And I stopped playing Baldur's Gate to play Final Fantasy, and I played through all of Final Fantasy 16 and did absolutely everything in that game and thoroughly enjoyed it. So as someone who wasn't expecting to enjoy this game as much as I did, I am glad I took the suggestion. The game that I'm going to pick is one that was a surprise from its announcement to being able to play it the day it was announced and the just surprise factor of how much I enjoyed the game. And that was F-Zero 99. I never thought in a million years that F-Zero would come back, let alone as a free-to-play gift sort of through Nintendo Switch Online. So F-Zero coming back was a surprise. But then the aesthetic of it looking like the original F-Zero, which is not 
one of my favorite games of all time, to put it plainly, uh, was a bit of a downer. But then when I actually played it and gave it a chance, it's actually nothing like the original F-Zero, aside from the way it looks. It plays really differently. It's such an addictive game, just like all the other 99 games are by Nintendo. And it's still a game that I play to this day, one or two matches every now and again. It's so fun. I still haven't won, so that's something I'm just trying to to get at least once is to win a game. But yeah, like just everything about F-Zero 99 is fantastic. And I just, I'm just so happy it actually turned out good. So maybe there's a shot that F-Zero can come back later on. But yeah, I'm going to go with F-Zero 99. That's a good choice. My choice is also a game that I like. Actually, I thought, Mateo, that you were going to say this game because your your introduction to F-Zero sounded very similar to the interaction of this game from its like announcement to how much I thoroughly enjoyed it to also playing it pretty much right when it was announced. Um, when I watch Xbox shows, I, I'm very rarely interested in the games that they announce. But Hi-Fi Rush was very, very intriguing to me from the second it was announced. Um, I don't think it was a game anybody expected from the Evil Within developer, like a rhythm action game. And it looked mm-hmm. so interesting. So I was I was like, okay, I still have Game Pass. So I'll give this game a go. It's, you know, January, February. So there's not a lot of games out. And that game was really good. Like, honestly, like, and I know it's not, it probably is never going to get the recognition it deserves because of how early it came out. And because it's an Xbox game. <laughs> and um, well, maybe a little bit because it's an Xbox game, but it's a really, really solid game. And probably like one of the, the most like fun, self contained experiences I had this year with a game. And I know our friend Phil was actually talking to me about it today and he was saying it's his game of the year and i i just i think it's a really solid game and if you haven't picked it up and you have game pass you should try it um it, it really is like it's just a really fun game like the vibe of it is very like jet set radio meets like i don't know brutal legend a little bit it's just it's really fun it's the and i was very happy i had a smile the whole way through that was my uh my runner-up for this category i i love uh hi-fi rush and I will be talking about it more later on in this podcast, but yeah, uh, I second what you said about it. Like, if you haven't played it, play it. And it's kind of, it is weird how, like, it does sort of have, like, a, a mirrored sort of history with F-099. I, I never realized that until now. Well, talking about the great things and, you know, what shocked us in amazing ways, it was great. So I think it's time we talked about what shocked us in disappointing ways by telling the the listeners what our most disappointing game of 2023 was which game were you looking forward to or you had high hopes for that just fell flat what was a disappointment for you and this doesn't necessarily mean that the game itself is bad it might just mean that you came out of it and your expectations weren't met so i'd like to start this one for the reason because if you listen to the awards that we did last year my most anticipated game of 2023 was Fire Emblem Engage. And Fire Emblem Engage is my most disappointing game of 2023. And it's not like a, a retroactive thing, like, oh, but the game came out in January, I forgot about it type of thing. No. When it came out, I, I felt the same way about it. Like, Fire Emblem Engage had so much promise being like this massive crossover within the Fire Emblem series where all the main protagonists come back and all that. 
And I just find the story was just so one-dimensional and boring. Yeah, the engage mechanic is really cool. That sort of lived up to it. But Alir is just so unlikable as a protagonist, whether you pick the male or female version of the character. I felt like the art style kind of just fell flat for me as well. And just like it lacked the massive twist or just like a big moment that was just those types of moments were everywhere in fire emblem three houses and i kind of felt that i was forcing myself to finish that game and i just hate having to do that like that's like the worst feeling as a gamer just like sort of beating a game out of obligation and that's just never fun so for me it's just hands down it's fire emblem engage like I don't even, like, it doesn't even come close to what came before it. I echo you. That's my choice as well. Um, And you said it pretty well. It's almost like this cycle of, like, you know, Fire Emblem Awakening came out and then Fates was really disappointing. And, like, Awakening at the time was considered the best game. Um, And then, you know, Three Houses comes out, which is, in my opinion, the peak of Fire Emblem. And then now Engage comes out. And I think that heightens it. I think that's ultimately what it is, is I don't think Fire Emblem Engage is actually a bad game. I actually think it's fine, and actually the gameplay in many ways is is pretty strong for a Fire Emblem game, but coming off of Three Houses, which was the best version of Fire Emblem, and going into Engage, which just felt so soulless, and it felt like it was like missing an identity in and of itself, and there was nothing memorable to me, like the characters weren't memorable, the story wasn't memorable, like for being a game about crossovers, all of Fire Emblem didn't feel special in the slightest. Like, like it's so forgettable. As soon as I looked at my list of games that I played this year, that was the clear winner of disappointing for me, because I'm like, damn, that game just did not meet expectations. For me, actually, uh, I actually have two, but when I look at the two that I have chosen here, my gut has to go with this one here, and that is Super Mario RPG. This game was apparently supposed to be, like, from the amount of hype that we were hearing about this game and its significance and its importance, with all of the uh, the Geno fans and Smash Bros saying about how this character is deserving and great and whatever, I was expecting a lot of things out of Super Mario RPG. Okay, it's a Square game. It is... Uh, they're a classic... RPG developer. They know what they're doing. They have the Mario IP. It's legendary. This is the first time Mario does an RPG. And don't get me wrong, like I can understand the nostalgic importance of this game and about like how I can kind of see this game's DNA intertwined into like the Paper Mario series or the Mario and Luigi series. But I feel like every Mario RPG since Super Mario RPG has just done it better. And I was just left disappointed and kind of in that state of I have to finish this game when I'm playing through it, like I still have, I think six of the seven stars. I have no intention to go back to that game. It's baby's first RPG. And I mean that in the nicest way I possibly can, because like for like a small eight year old child or someone who's a kid during the, the super Nintendo era, this game is perfect for you as an adult. Why am I wasting my time? It just felt like I could have skipped this and just watched like a, a, like a 15 minute, like what happened. And Maybe it's just coupled with the the sour Geno fan moments that I've had as well, where I'm like, oh, okay, where are all these prized moments and stuff for this character? Mallow had way more development. And it's just like, okay, Geno's just 
an empty husk of a puppet by the end of the game. Well, that's what the character was throughout the entire thing, in my opinion. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> I mean, Gino, you, what you just said is essentially at lunch today, I had the same conversation with Phil because he's about to play it. Like, well, that, the essence of what you just said is what I said to him as well. Like, I feel the same way. I don't think it's every Mario RPG since then is better. I think at least, like, it's a mid-Mario RPG. Like, I think the the first three Paper Marios and the first three Mario and Luigi games are better than it, for sure. But, like, yeah, whatever everything you said, Gino, is pretty, sp- is pretty spot on. Like, I didn't mean to be super harsh at no, the no, end no, no, there, no. but it's just, yeah. Yeah, like, not like the game's bad, but Thousand New Doors coming out, in 2024 if you had to choose between those two games i would 1000 percent push you towards playing thousand year door because that is a, a way better game but 100 percent. okay well we'll move on we've kind of talked about like the lows so now we'll continue with the highs but we'll start with some of the like smaller ones before we start talking about like the big pieces i think the next one that makes the most sense to talk about is what we believe is the best remaster this year now when we're talking remaster we're we're specifically talking about games that are essentially just a visual upgrade with maybe slight content um additions we're not talking about games that are reimaginings of the original game where it's like essentially a new game but called the same thing so for example like resident evil 4 that came out this year would not be considered for this award because it is not a remaster. It is a full reimagining remake. We're looking for just remasters. And there were several this year. Um, so wh- what was your favorite remaster this year? Yeah, this year was really heavy on the remasters, like especially uh, from Nintendo. But the one that I would say is like potentially the one of the greatest ones ever made is Metroid Prime Remastered. And if you haven't played Metroid Prime, play Metroid Prime Remastered. Like, it is incredible. It's a genre-defining game. Like, I forgot how good this game was. I remember beating it and be like, holy smokes, this game is, like, among the most exceptional games that Nintendo's ever made. And the visual polish, the alone is worth noting. Like, it's a night and day difference between this and the GameCube original. And even, like, I don't even think the Metroid Prime Trilogy one enhanced it at all. But, like, being able to play the game on a controller again instead of, like, using the bulky Wii U gamepad or the Wiimote and Nunchuck, I think is really, really, really refreshing. And if you don't like that, you can go back to using pointer controls with the Joy-Con. Like, there's so many different ways to play this game and just really makes me want this same treatment with the other two games in the Metroid Prime trilogy. And like the game, it was shadow dropped basically, right? The, it came out digitally immediately after the Nintendo Direct that it was announced in. And then physically a few weeks later, it was a pain to get the, those first few days physically. You had to like hope that your local store got one, but it was worth the wait because that game is just so fantastic. So it was just a very respectful remaster the game didn't need the big remake or anything like that. Like it was almost perfect the way it was. There was a little bit of age that got ironed out with this remaster. So it's definitely the definitive version of 
this game? I am just going to say, because I have the same choice, I just echo everything Mateo said. Metroid Prime Remastered, amazing remastered version. That's it. Let's make it three for three. I didn't play it, but I watched Mateo play through it, and I can honestly say he had a smile uh, on his face for a very large portion of that game. Okay, there you have it. Best remaster, Metroid Prime Remastered, unanimous by the Hub World. Okay, best DLC or expansion of 2023. May I ask for a little bit of clarification? Would you count seasons? Yes, I I think so, as long as you consider it to be substantial enough content. What I was going to say is, for this award, it does not need to be DLC for a game that released in 2023. It can be DLC for a game that released prior to 2023, as long as the DLC released in 2023. Um, however, I do think in order to consider it, it needs to be brand new content. So if it's a game that gets like periodic updates and seasons, if that season did not include like brand new content, then I wouldn't consider it. I think you're, we're looking for something that's like an expansion or a DLC, not necessarily like here's a season where we just reshuffle some missions that are the same content. Okay. 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 Yeah. Then I feel like I might be able to make an argument for this. At least for something that I've played, and this is going to be like the Omega Geno bias, Mateo, you know it's coming. Um, I'm going to say World of Warcraft. Just because, like, this entire past year with WoW's current expansion, Dragonflight, yes, the story in the expansion itself hasn't been the greatest. Uh, I do want to say that Blizzard's constant patch support uh, for this game, like, at least for this past year, has been very, very good. The content's been fun. It's been very approachable for me as a player coming back and being able to hop in and kind of like not miss a beat and kind of just get back into why I really love this game. Uh, the dragon flying mechanic has been very fun and having upgraded abilities uh, in the form of the enhanced dragon flying abilities and stuff that I got in the uh, Zeralek caverns and in the Emerald dream and everything makes uh, flying in that game just feel so much greater. And now that they're going to be adding uh, I th- want to say with the next expansion, they're adding in more mounts like the player has from their past. Uh, they're getting tied in with these new abilities and stuff. Uh, it's going to be very fun, but it's not the actual Dragonflight portion of World of Warcraft per se, but rather just everything around in World of Warcraft. This past year has been very positive. While Classic had an entire phenomenon going on uh, with the, uh, the Warcraft uh, Hardcore series where your one character has one life, And if you die, you have to restart everything from scratch. So if you die, you got to go all the way back to Elwyn and level up your classic WoW character again. Right now, Justin and I are playing through Season of Discovery, and it's been about two, three weeks where we've been playing through it. It's been very, very fun. Justin's been going pretty hard, and I finally have my character leveled up, getting all my gear and everything, and I'm now just got to find a few pickup groups to go in and do the... uh, the new level 25 raid it's it's i'm honestly having a lot of fun in wow and i can't speak highly enough of it so world of warcraft best expansion dlc i guess because they keep adding new content to this 20 year old game good wow plugs by gino technically my winner also kind of is a 2022 expansion that continued into 2023 so i'm still going to choose it however i'm only basing it on the 2023 content 
that dropped. But my winner of this is the Mario Kart 8 expansion pass. Specifically, since it's 2023, the fourth, fifth, and sixth booster passes, which are the ones that included brand new characters, um, which was a nice, pleasant surprise that we got this year, as well as some of the most wanted maps. I like. We got some really great courses this year. We got the long-awaited Vancouver map, rep in our home city. We got Koopa Cape, my favorite, um, Daisy Cruiser, DK Mountain, Wii Rainbow Road. I love Mario Kart. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is probably one of the greatest kart racers of all time, and they really upped the quality of the content in the second half of this booster course expansion pass. They kind of took the criticisms that came last year and they addressed them. You know, they fixed the textures, they brought in characters, they balance patched, they added more amiibo costumes. Like, they they did quite a bit. And I'm pretty happy with the fact that it only... Well, technically it didn't cost me anything because we have the family membership. But it would have only cost me like 25 bucks for that amount of content. And, yeah, great expansion. I will just piggyback off what you said, because I also have the Mario Kart 8 booster course, second half of pack, whatever you want to call it. Diddy Kong is finally, finally back in a Mario Kart game. Like, they, Nintendo made us suffer all the way to the very end to get Diddy Kong back and Funky Kong. But, like, the addition of the characters, the old returning courses coming back in really unique ways, and then, like, the brand new courses, like... This is really the ultimate package of Mario Kart 8. Like, it is the greatest kart racer of all time, like you said, Jules. Like, I just could not be happier that this game got more content. It doubled in size, basically. So, this was an easy one for me. Now it's time for a very special award. Now, this award is, we're referring to as the Elden Ring Award for Best RPG of 2023. For this award, we select the year's best RPG game. And tell you why it's the best RPG. Much like the best RPG of 2022, Elden Ring. I will start. The Elden Ring best RPG of 2023 is a nifty little game called The Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog. In such game, you do things like talk and have dialogue trees. You can make choices. You can interact with things, as every RPG has. And you can arrive at a predetermined outcome as many RPGs have. And for this reason, I think it is deserving of the Elden Ring RPG of the Year award. Yeah, for my uh, winner of the uh, Elden Ring award for best RPG, there was a lot of candidates. This year had uh, quite a few RPGs. But I think for me, Disney Speedstorm comes out on top. Uh, Because, you know, you level up your racer, albeit with disgusting uh microtransactions but most rpgs these days have them but yeah the leveling of the characters and all the different maps that that game has is quite a variety of content quite a few characters quite a few power-ups that you can also level up so yeah i i for me like it was just clearly disney speedstorm's year to lose so i gotta go with that one mateo you forgot one important thing it's also massively multiplayer ah yes and free to play for my elden ring rpg of the year award i have to give it to uh wario where move it uh just because there is a fine cast of party members that you can choose from in this game and that's about it all fine choices, everyone. And if you couldn't tell by our very dry delivery of these nominees, that was clearly a joke. Or was it? 
And if Jeff Keeley can get away with it, we can too. I think the the one thing we want to say is that uh, Octopath Traveler Two was robbed by the Game Awards. So, well, I have to finish that game. So <laughs> that's why it wasn't nominated. You didn't finish it. Exactly. Yeah, yep, my fault. Anyway, now we're time to like move on to like the real like bulk of the awards. Talk about the twenty twenty three games um, and their various aspects. Um, so I think the first one that we can talk about is which game we feel had the best soundtrack of 2023 gaming. Pretty self-explanatory. Which game had the best music? I might come off as a bit of a hypocrite with this because I'm usually someone who says like, oh, you shouldn't praise something for just one aspect. So with music, if you look at a soundtrack and there's like one amazing song, does it really deserve to win? With Tears of the Kingdom, it didn't have one amazing song. It had like four or five really good ones, but a lot of music was reused from Breath of the Wild. But the music that the new tracks that they introduced in Tears of the Kingdom were just so, so incredible that like they're among my favorite in the entire Zelda series. And that says a lot because Zelda is known for having phenomenal music especially just like the, the the ones that just come to mind are like obviously the main theme of tears of the kingdom and then obviously the final battle theme uh i don't want to get into spoilers over what exactly happens in the final battle but i normally don't get emotional when playing games but it struck a chord pun intended uh um, so i i kind of just think of sound design in general with this but like like the depths was fantastic and the, the the boss battle themes in particular in the um the air temple that was my one of my favorite songs in the whole game so like those handful of songs just really really propelled tears of the kingdom to the top of my list i know there's more complete soundtracks this year but just the high end i don't think is higher than uh in any other game so i, I i'm going with zelda yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Mateo for my choice as well. I, I thoroughly enjoyed anything that um, Nintendo can put out with the uh, with the Zelda label on it. When you when you think of Zelda and gaming and like just their legacy of great music and soundtracks, Tears of the Kingdom was one of those games that did deliver. And it it was a good balance between nostalgia and just new content. And I feel like it was just it, it was just very tasteful all around. I enjoyed it. I actually have to disagree. And uh, don't get me wrong, Tears of the Kingdom has fantastic music. Um, but I do think that there's one other game that just blew... Like, I, I think Nintendo's sound quality out of the water. Like I, I think even if this was Breath of the Wild, like in the first time we were hearing this music, I still would have voted for my game, um, which is Final Fantasy sixteen, And yep. the tracks in that game are just incredible like final fantasy is also a series that has a very storied history with like quality music but final fantasy 16 just amps it up and people can say whatever the hell they want about final fantasy 16 i know it's divisive as a game i know not everybody loves the approaching gameplay the but the music is insane like some of the best music i've ever heard in gaming i don't even know how they produced a soundtrack to that level the amount of like operatic tracks like and there's also like a a massive massive variety of the types of tracks there's like one boss has like almost like a a bayonetta sonic the hedgehog style like track 
that's like epic in its own right and then other ones have these like angelic hymns that are like in it's like almost every track in that game is on the level of like the great final fantasy tracks like one winged angel like i i never stopped getting hyped up by the music in that game and every single time i was getting to a new boss i was just excited to hear okay what's the music going to be like for this one because all the other tracks have just slapped such a good game and the music is just incredible honestly jules this one was my runner-up but yeah the final fantasy 16 was great moving on from what we could hear we'll move on to what we can see so what do you think was the best art style of 2023 now this can refer to many things it could refer to the graphics it could refer to the color saturation it could refer to just like the general style of the visuals but typically we're focusing on the visuals here if if i may say uh and start this one off i just want to say super mario wonder was absolutely just a wonder to behold and just just the sheer visuals on like yes it's a 2d mario game but like all the crazy things we were seeing, all the different colors, all the different like art styles and everything. It was just wonderful. It looked like like some sections looked like it was like a painting. It was just well put together and my words cannot describe it because vocabulary hard. Mario Wonder isn't my pick, but it was my runner up. Just to add on to what you said, Gino, like especially like coming off of what came before it just to how emotive the characters were and like it was almost claymation kind of like if you really zoom into it but like just there's incredibly detailed animations for these characters that we've never seen really before in a mario game 2d or 3d and just yeah just how much the wonder effects really changed what was happening gameplay wise but vis- visually as well was the real innovation that mario wonder brought to the mario series so mario wonder is a really good choice as for my pick i kind of alluded it earlier when i said i'd talk about hi-fi rush but i picked hi-fi rush because everything in that game moves if you play it like you're in the levels all the objects around you are like bouncing to the music as well the anime sort of comic booky art style that the game has really really fits a rhythm game and it's never it's not something i've ever played before or even like really seen before like a game with that much character and kinetic energy it all comes together i think with the art style and just like how much the the colors pop the music pops like everything comes together in this wonderful package and there's nothing really like it both good choices um i went in a different direction mine was based off of not just the like in-game art direction but also the out-of-game art direction and my choice was sea of stars one of my favorite games of all time is chrono trigger and it's really really hard to emulate that style both visually and like gameplay and just like general feel um and sea of stars was a game that i backed four years ago and i was really excited to see it come out and i was very very impressed for many reasons which i will talk about later on um, but one of those reasons was the art style. Because obviously, like, it's emulating the style of something like Chrono Trigger that came out on the Super Nintendo by using, like, 16-bit graphics. However, it's, it's like, it's like with Shovel Knight, right? Like, where, like, you're using an older style of graphics, but now with modern tech, so you can do more with it. So, like, some of the boss designs in Sea of Stars were insane. Like, they just looked so cool. And, like, the aesthetic of the areas. And so even though the aesthetic was, sure, like, something we may have seen before in the mid-90s, 
like early '90s in the SNES era. It it it's something we could have never achieved with the tech back then. And it just looked really cool to have that same kind of like nostalgic visual design, but now being able to basically do whatever you want with it because you don't have to worry about the size of a cartridge. And I, I'm just, just still blown away by some of the designs that were in that game and like the, the animations and the, the general like art style, both within the game and outside of the game with like concept art and like art book stuff and like it just fantastic art direction. Let's continue with the kind of like the elements of the of the games by going on to best narrative to be honest with you when i was looking back at games that i played this year there weren't that many games i played that really had a strong narrative but for me of those games i think i have to go with spider-man 2 i just love the story and like all the supplemental material that that game had like whether it was side quests just like dialogue just from walking down the street or the characters what they would have during boss fights like the quipping that spider-man and and miles morales would have like there's nothing like that and the thing that i think that insomniac had to nail the most in these games is just the humor and the feeling of being spider-man not just from a gameplay perspective but just if you were spider-man that's how spider-man would be like that's everything to him in my opinion like just the is the humor and and then the story itself just had a lot of really cool twists and turns the villains were fantastic for the most part and the sort of teases that they have for the future even though (laughs) the ultimate tease came out but poor insomniac but that's something else that we can talk about potentially later but just spider-man 2 really felt like playing a comic book and i love reading comic books Yeah, I'm not the biggest Marvel guy, but I do appreciate Spider-Man. And it was among the best comic book game stories, but for sure it was the peak of storytelling in 2023, at least for me. Honestly, I gotta say, this is where uh, I'm gonna start coming back to one of the choices that I made earlier and say that the best narrative has to go to Final Fantasy 16. I had such a blast playing this game. The story was great. It felt like, honestly, something almost out of just Game of Thrones, just in with the amount of world building that they did. The lore feature itself that they implemented into the game, because like at the very beginning of it, I was kind of like just dipping my toes into the the world, like this specific world for the first time. I found myself using that lore feature to pause whatever was happening on the screen to read up and make sure I knew what was going on. More games need to do that. That was great. Having that in there where I can just like pause a cutscene figure out what the name of the countries are, who the players are, who's on what side, and all that. That was so good and made me appreciate the story and the time and the effort that the Final Fantasy sixteen team put into this because they put a lot of effort into making this world super fleshed out. And like, I cared about Clive. I cared about Joshua. I cared about all the other characters in that. There was just so many amazing moments and just having clive being just like a very just positive male character in a video game like dude cries when when he's sad dude follows his heart like i'm gonna sound like a kingdom hearts game but as an older brother i could connect with a lot of the kind of like the motifs and stuff that and that was going on in this game where like clive feels like he has to protect his younger brother and make sure that he's safe and all that kind of stuff. And like, I was able to kind of just like resonate with that. And I was able to resonate with his character a lot more than other game characters have in a long time. And that was really refreshing. 
and I, there's there's honestly not enough that I can say that expressed my my joy in the story direction of this game. So I'm going to have to give it to Final Fantasy 16. Yeah, fun fact: uh, they just actually updated Final Fantasy 16 with yet another piece of dedication to the narrative because like the active time lore was really really cool mm-hmm. and now they've added something like I can't remember who you could go to it was either the like old man or the I think it was the old man and you could talk yeah. to him and you could see how the relationships between people were mm-hmm. they've now added a feature where if you click on a relationship between two people you can hear internal dialogue from those characters' perspectives of about how they feel about each other at each point in the story. Oh, wow, that's really cool. Yeah, really cool. I also give my best narrative to Final Fantasy XVI. Um, two games this year made me cry, one of them being Final Fantasy XVI and one of them being Sea of Stars. Um, however, Final Fantasy XVI is just a very well-crafted narrative. It's very clearly inspired by things like Game of Thrones, um, but I never felt like it was trying to be Game of Thrones. I know a lot of people did feel that way, and I, I never felt that way. I actually felt like it was very much at its core a Final Fantasy game in its narrative. I think that it had strong characters, um, and it really, like, when I left that game world, and I did everything, mind you. Like, I'm somebody who played and did everything. I didn't feel like any stone was left unturned. Like I feel like they did everything they possibly could in that game world to make you feel satisfied with the story arcs of every single character in that world, with the narrative, with the concepts that they had introduced. I never felt like the, there were unanswered questions. I always felt like there were interesting reading materials and I felt like there was a clear and strong like theme throughout the story that had a lot of strong payoff at the end. Um, And I feel like the story had really fantastic pacing. Like it always kept you like invested and like wanting to know what was going to happen next. I remember just being blown away. Like this game wasn't even on my radar. Like I was like, oh yeah, Final Fantasy 16 is coming out and I'm a Final Fantasy fan. So, you know, I guess I should be excited for it. But it was when I played that demo and there was such a strong narrative in that opening that I was like, hey, I have to play this game. Like, holy crap. Like, it's, I'm already invested. And just like you said, Gino, with Clive, on paper, the way he looks and the way he's presented, everybody leading up to this game was like, this is the most generic Final Fantasy protagonist we've ever received. And coming out of that game, I was like, he is the best Final Fantasy protagonist. Like, there is no question. Cloud Strife, Squall, Tidus, none of them hold anything to Clive's story. Like, Clive's story is such a rich, full story. And I think it comes at the expense sometimes maybe of the supporting cast not getting the same treatment that like the party setting of previous Final Fantasies have had. That being said, I still think they've fully fleshed out those characters in that world as they could. But Clive as a character, just his narrative was so well done. And and it's hard to not think that this is the best narrative of, of the year. Like I, I don't think there is a better one. Like I, there might have been better writing. There might have been more human narratives, more realistic ones. But I, I think for what it was, this was this was the best crafted narrative that I played. I definitely will be speaking more of that first initial demo, Jules, uh, a little bit later on. 
but yeah, the, 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 just the storytelling for this game has been absolutely fantastic. Okay. Best level design. So this can be talking about like, it could be talking about individual levels. If that's the kind of game you're going for, could be talking about just like the map or the environment, but like, like generally it's kind of similar to the art style in that it, it is a little bit about visual, but it's also about like the design of the environment and the design of like the levels themselves. I do want to open with this one, actually. I'm giving this one to Tears of the Kingdom. I think that the toughest hill that Tears of the Kingdom had to climb was somehow making the same Hyrule interesting after having explored it in 2017. And I think they did a fantastic job not only redesigning a familiar world to feel fresh again but also adding on to it in ways that were meaningful enough to make me feel like reattached it felt like i was rediscovering hyrule it felt like there were mysteries behind these these lands that i thought i was i i had already explored to the umpteenth degree in breath of the wild and they they really just like added on to it in addition to that they they expanded upon a lot of things a lot of the shrines and their puzzles were a lot more rich in design and were a lot more expansive in design um, because of the ultra hand mechanic it allowed for us to explore the world um, not just in a um, horizontal way but in a vertical way right like we're going underground we're going above the sky we're having to find unique ways to get up there and get below and survive and i I, and i think that they really took the level design of breath of the wild and they stuck with their philosophy and they just they they built on it and i i really appreciated that because i i think that's hard like it's one thing to make an interesting game world it's another thing to make people interested in a game world they've already seen before and I, I I was really blown away with how well they did it. And I know not everybody is going to agree with that sentiment, but I I really, really enjoyed it. Honestly, like Zelda was a an absolutely fantastic game beginning to end. I yeah, I'll have to I have to echo everything you say on that one too, even though I made my choice differently. I have to actually go with Super Mario Wonder again, just because I find that Mario Wonder did things with a 2D platformer that I've, I I constantly found myself just like almost with like my jaw dropped with the, the level design, whether it be like, okay, picking up the wonder flowers and having the pipes wiggle around like caterpillars or like you hopping onto the side of the wall and the game suddenly became like a top down maze on the amount of times that we went in just to do like the, um, the quick time event one where it's like a bunch of just like jumping platforms. We were there like just hundreds of lives, making sure that like all of our jumping was precise and everything. Our dad came in and was playing with us as well. And that's something that hadn't happened in a really, really, really long time, especially on a 2d Mario game. And it was just zany. It was crazy. It was fun. The power-ups were great. Each level had something that made it unique. And again, the wonder flowers really made things pop for us. And then you even had to go back. And Mateo and I went back and like did. We we did 100% of the game. We got all the collectibles. We hit top of the flagpole on everything. And it was a great challenge, but it was fun more than anything. So that's what I got to give it to. I also picked uh, Mario Wonder. Also, like the world map is the best world map they've ever had in a Mario game. The amount of like secrets in there and like it actually was so satisfying, like going around a corner and finding a level or like in the the desert 
world, walking over a pile of sand. Oh, there's a level to be found there. The fact that there was shops that you could buy stuff in and like the musical levels were so fun too. Like the, the Piranha Plants on Parade. I love that level. Oh, and that that's something funny. That, that came back a few times in the game. Like, and yeah, like I think honestly, Elephant Mario is the best Mario power-up they've had since the Cape. That's how much I love Elephant Mario or Elephant Mushroom, whatever you want to call it. But, apple. Uh, it was an apple. Being able to store water in the trunk and like having to think about, oh, okay, here's a, pu- a puddle of water. I need to get this. And then, oh, I need water here. So I got to go back to another level and get that. Like having to think beyond the level that you're in is always really fun in Mario. And then like there's hidden exits and stuff like you would think there would be in a 2D Mario game. So like I think as a package, yeah, it doesn't hit the same heights as previous Mario games. But I think it goes without saying that Mario Wonder is the best Mario game we've had since Mario World. And if they want, this game could set a really solid foundation of what's to come for the Mario series. So it's just super refreshing to finally be able to say, like, this is a great Mario game. Two thumbs up. You should play it. Because, like, I never felt that way with the new Super Mario Bros. games. So they had so many ideas that they just crammed into this game. And it just worked. You would think that would be a bad thing. Like, there'd be, like, no focus. But the Wonder Flowers are the focus. The the zany nature of them and, like, the talking flowers and stuff. Like, that is the vibe of the game. That is the connective tissue. So the unexpected is the focus with Mario Wonder. And that's just, like, a really weird thing to think about. The next one is best multiplayer. With this one, I... I went back to F-099 just because the pick-up-and-play nature of it. Yeah, like, you can't play with your friends, but that game is a multiplayer game with 98 other random people. And the competition is so fierce in that game. Like, if, if you get off to a slow start, you would think you wouldn't be able to come back. But because they added, like, the Skyway stuff, and, like, if you pick, like if you're in the back of the pack picking up all the gold orbs, you can realistically jet yourself to the front of the pack and screw over people behind you and like it even has like the um mario kart 64 feature where like if you die in battle mode you can become a bomb and screw someone else over and that's always fun to like go to the front and hit someone in first place and just knock them out of the game like i've done that a few times and it's so gratifying but like part of the appeal of f-zero for me is the high stakes sort of risk reward of it and f-zero 99 just captures that so well and there's not just the battle royale sort of mode they have cups that you can play there's great customization of your vehicle so that like you can really tell yourself apart from other people and really make your vehicle your own so like there's so many great sort of online features that they add to this game because it's really all it is is online so they added a whole bunch of maps like there's just so much content in that game and really makes you want to just keep going match after match after match so i played a bit yesterday like i've been playing a game a day and i just i'm going to be doing that for the foreseeable future hopefully nintendo doesn't shut it down like they shut down pac-man and and mario 35 but yeah i'm this one was so easy for me for f-099 mine's going to be a little simpler um just because i feel that um i value i like i put a lot of value in couch co-op and just the amount of fun that Mateo, myself, and my father had with uh, Super uh, Super Mario Wonder, I got to give it to that. 
there was a lot of just like fun zany moments that Mateo and I were able to overcome just by cooperating with our power-up choices, uh, doing some of the battle things, doing the uh, this hidden star world at the end of the game in co-op was very much a competition rather than <laughs> at some yeah. point. It, it, yeah, it was very much a competition at some points rather than just being a, uh, okay, we got to get to the, the final... Uh, the final flag and whatever, right? Especially the last world, Mateo. We spent hours. It took us like almost two days to beat it that. Was brutal. And then got the three star coins, but missed top of the flagpole. And we're like, crap, we got to do this all over again. This is game over. I'm going to bed. And it was just hilarious. And then the next day we came back and didn't. It was great. But just multiplayer moments like that that you can't get in an online environment mean a lot. And that's why I got to say Mario Wonder is my best multiplayer. Yeah, I mean, I didn't play very many multiplayer games this year, um, and I wasn't very impressed by the ones that I did, other than Super Mario Bros. Wonder. I was I was pretty happy with the right balance that they found of kind of keeping the like, competitive spirit built in that they built in Super Mario 3D World and the new Super Mario Bros. series, but they found a way to not make the game feel cluttered like they did in the previous Mario 2D platformers um, by removing the... Um, bumping into each other. I think that that made that preserved the integrity of the level design because you couldn't like just springboard off each other's head or throw each other and like break through puzzles or like intended level design. Um, so everybody still had to try and like legitimately complete what was in front of them. Um, while also like allowing you to still work cooperatively. And I really, really do prefer couch co-op and couch multiplayer so i i would also give it to super mario bros wonder okay we're kind of nearing the end of our main awards and then going into the final ones but the last two we have best performance so this would be our best like it likely voice actor um or actor in a game this year i'd like to start this one off uh and this is a long time coming for this actor because and i think he's been overlooked really like i think he really should have won the game awards best actor but that's my opinion but cameron monaghan as cal kestis in jedi survivor he really proved a lot of people wrong in jedi survivor like i don't know if you guys remember but cal kestis was really crapped on as a character in the first game like he was like oh this annoying but sort of bland two-dimensional protagonist and i think he really silenced a lot of the concerns that people had in the sequel because like cameron monaghan has range and you see multiple sides of his character in this game and he's not just a voice he's also the motion capture performer he did all the sword fights and all like the animations and stuff there like the facial capture that they did on him like is so emotive like jedi survivor is one of the best looking games of the year and I think the character design and the the technology that they used, like EA really has good facial capture software because like all the sports games and stuff like that, Cal Kestis really goes places that I didn't expect him to go to in this game. Cameron Monaghan being like a bigger named actor, like he's not like huge, but like really added sort of like a gravitas to the role that for me, like it was just such a huge night and day difference from the first game to the second game and i think that should be recognized dang i honestly i honestly forgot that jedi survivor came out this year just because just 
the just a sheer amount of stuff that we've been playing around with. I have to say that my award will have to go to Ben Starr, who's the voice of Clive from Final Fantasy 16. A relative no-name, I'm just looking at the Wikipedia page for uh, what he's done. And Final Fantasy 16 was the first game he did. This guy's been in a few productions since 2013, whether it be like TV and film and stuff. But yeah... Final Fantasy 16 being first performance, you'd think that the performance that he gave for Clive would have been someone like a veteran uh, from the industry, but just the the amount of emotion, the amount of feeling we got out of uh, the performance, absolutely fantastic. I'm by no means a theater or a like a television expert or anything like that, but as someone playing the game, I believed that Clive was part of this world and by the performance that they gave there i was able to to completely buy in and it helped with that immersion experience and that means a lot so that's my choice yeah you know gino ben stars also i feel he was completely robbed at the game awards his portrayal of clive was incredible and i didn't actually know he was like he hadn't worked on anything before because that's pretty incredible because mm-hmm. oh, he's just a fantastic voice actor i am going to just because gino mentioned ben star already and i don't have much more to say i'm going to give it to my runner-up which is ralph Innison for two of his roles this year actually he played sid in final fantasy 16 but he also played what was his name Lorath? Lorath yeah Diablo. Diablo 4. Yeah. And both the characters were the most audibly mesmerizing like the, his voice. Like that's the thing. It's like I don't think it's necessarily cuz he's a good voice actor. I just think he has like an incredible voice. But uh, he's my, he was my runner up next to Ben Starr. Um, because he voiced two very, very prominent characters in two very, very high-profile games that released literally in the same month. But if it goes straight from performance, it is Ben Star for me as well, as Clive Rossfield. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Now that you do mention it, yeah, the games did come out around the same time. And, like, I, we, we played Diablo 4 first. <laughs> Jules, Joe, and I were playing it. And Jules is like, where have I heard this guy before? And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then after he lent me the game, I'm like, oh, shit, it's Lorath. And he's like, see, I told you. It was just really yeah, funny. Exactly. Our last kind of like award before we get to the big ones, favorite or best gameplay. My decision was really weighed heavily on like truly like innovative and like jaw dropping things that have never happened or have never experienced in a game before. And for me, this was very easily Tears of the Kingdom. The whole crafting mechanic and how intricate it is, that could be talked about forever. It's as bottomless as as someone's creativity is when making a vehicle or a contraption. But then you even have to look at the Ascend ability and all the other runes that are in this game that are like really so impactful and revolutionary to a Zelda game and a just a really like action adventure open world game like I wish I had these in like Assassin's Creed or another open world game like they're just that revolutionary in my opinion just like the way that those features help you solve puzzles and like explore the world is my own everyone had their own way to solve puzzles and and do things and like Anytime a game can do that, it deserves to be commended and awarded. I I agree with you. I think the Ultra Hand mechanic is such a marvel for gameplay. And I can totally see where you're coming from 
in terms of how you approach this. I think for me, whenever I talk about gameplay, it's always about fun. When I think about gameplay, it's like, what am I having the most fun playing? And I've said this in multiple podcasts previously, but there's no fun for me like Spider-Man. Those Insomniac Spider-Man games are just such a blast to play. Like from beginning to end, I'm just, I feel like Spider-Man. I feel like I'm having fun. And, you know, like the symbiote is one of my favorite storylines in Spider-Man. I love Venom. I love Black Suit Spider-Man. And they did him so well where I was feeling like really powerful, like grossly powerful as him. And they made Miles fun. And like, like there's just nothing like those games to me. And I guess it's like probably very similar to like the experience that you guys probably had with the Arkham games being very, very big Batman fans going into those games. But that, that's how I just feel about the Spider-Man games. It's like, it, it's just a rush to feel like my favorite superhero. And like, even the very brief segment where you play as Venom, I, w- I was just like in euphoria. I was, just, it was just so, such a blast. So I, I couldn't give best gameplay to anything but Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man was my runner up. Like I really appreciated like what you said, the, just how different it felt to play as Symbiote peter regular peter and miles like even the mj gameplay is so improved over the mj gameplay from the first game like i really appreciated that they kind of made her the shooter character and like they gave her beatdowns and things like that like that's really cool and like the skill trees and like how miles and and peter's like they have one joint skill tree and then they have the separated ones it really helped make them feel different from each other which i I was worried about going into the game. So yeah, I, I I have to agree with a lot of what you said with Spider-Man, but Zelda just like beat it out for me. I guess my turn. I initially started this list wanting to put Zelda as my number one choice. Dang, that's surprising as the crafter. Yeah, <laughs> I I love those. Like I love crafting stuff. Like I was uh, running around trying a bunch of different uh, mechs and walking machines. I made a few interesting vehicles. And then once I discovered the most efficient vehicle, a lot of that fun and whimsy kind of just died. Once I had the bike, you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, um, I did play around with some of the physics stuff a little bit more later on. But the more I think about it, the more I actually have to give best gameplay to Final Fantasy 16. I just love the combat in that game. It was so satisfying putting together a bunch of different combos and just completely destroying enemies and bosses with stuns, then going into different abilities from the icons and then finishing them off with your super moves and powerful. It was just so fun. I felt like the icon of fire. Uh, that was Ifrit, and it was just so fun. I cannot wait to sink my teeth back into that game once the once the DLC uh, comes out for it. It's gonna be it's gonna be a blast. Okay, we're kind of like through now. The bulk of the awards. We're now on to kind of like the final ones. Um, so there are four awards, I believe, remaining, and they're all kind of like the end note games. Um, so the first one we're gonna talk about before we talk about kind of like. What sums up our 2023 is we're going to kind of talk about 2024, which is ahead of us. And we're going to talk about what our most anticipated game for 2024 is. And, you know, 
maybe this will also be our most disappointing game of 2024. I hope not. I really hope mine isn't. So we'll find out. I'll start because my most anticipated game of 2024 is actually the same game that I mentioned last year. So I remember last year we did... We said, what is your most anticipated game of 2023 that isn't Zelda? Because all of us were going to say Zelda. Mm-hmm. And so I said this game because it was technically supposed to be out this year, although I anticipated it would likely get pushed into 2024, and I was correct. Um, but my most anticipated game next year is Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Obviously, you could tell just by this podcast, if you hadn't already listened to all of our other podcasts, where it was plainfully obvious, if you just listen to this one, it's clearly obvious I'm a big Final Fantasy fan. I love Final Fantasy VII. I loved Final Fantasy VII Remake, um, despite the fact that many people don't. And I'm super excited for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. I'm excited to see all the wacky changes that they make. I'm excited to see all the heart bullshit. I'm excited for the ways in which they are expanding upon and improving on the gameplay and i'm super excited to see some of the most iconic moments and locations from final fantasy 7 in this game um and characters i'm very excited to play as red 13 and kate sith which we now know is pronounced kate sith most anticipated for 2024 i want to say paper mario the thousand year door remake but i could just go play that game right now and like being excited for a remake is like being excited to watch a rerun on TV with commercials sometimes. But I have to say, because of my love of all things craft, I have to say World of Warcraft, The War Within. I'm really, really happy with where World of Warcraft is right now. And with BlizzCon and the announcing of the uh, the World Soul Saga, I feel like uh, World of Warcraft is going to continue going in a positive direction story-wise. The gameplay is getting there. They're starting to listen. Blizzard's finally listening to their fans and stuff again. And uh, they now have Microsoft money to make all of their their wildest dreams come true. So I'm going to say World of Warcraft, The War Within. Yeah, so if you haven't guessed mine so far, it's a pretty boomer bust pick. Like, I can see myself putting so much time into this game and loving it to death. But I could also see myself just falling off hard in this game and having a very similar reaction to Fire, uh, Fire Emblem Engage. And my pick is uh, Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League. Now, I've been really high on this game. Seeing the reaction of the the, the alpha and, and playing the alpha, that is so much fun. Like, the gameplay is so fluid. And Rocksteady hasn't made a game since Batman Arkham Knight, believe it or not. Almost a decade between releases. And this game's an early game. It comes out at the beginning of February. And... They've been releasing these trailers, and the trailers make the game look so, so, so good. Like, the writing is fantastic, the jokes, the characters, and there's even, like, they revealed in the the newest trailer that, like, there's going to be, like, returning characters from the Arkham games and new characters from the DC Universe coming in. And, yeah, there's leaks and stuff, and you can look at them right now, but, like, I personally do not put a lot of faith in those leaks because they're really dated and we know one thing from this game is that it's had a very long development cycle so i'm gonna go in with an open mind because i love this world i love the developers i love the characters and from what i've seen and what i've actually played this game really has a chance to be something special and as someone who's not going back to playing destiny i want to have a game where I can really just 
sink my teeth into that can last for more than just 15, 20 hours in a basic story mode. I want to go back to a, a world multiple times a year. And I think this game really has the chance to live up to that for me. So fingers crossed they can nail the landing and like change people's minds from these leaks. I really, really hope they can. And like all the DLC is going to be free. Like when is that happen? So like, just please, 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 please go into the game with an open mind. That's all I'm going to say. And please, the presence of the DC universe, please let this game be good. I don't want to come back next year and, and, and say Sarah's the, most, the disappointing. most disappointing game two years in a row is the one that I voted for my most anticipated. That would be bad. I mean, statistically, of the three of us, I feel like the most likely to come back with that opinion might be you, unfortunately. Hey, I gotta go with my heart, as Sora says, you know? I gotta I gotta believe in my heart, so... Sora believes in lots of things. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, the last three, these are pretty much like the cream of the crop, the best ones. So, first we're gonna talk about 2023 as it pertains to us individually. Because we all played a variety of games this year, and some of the games that we played this year were not games that released this year. Many of us played games that came out in other years. So this first one is going to be, what is the best game you played this year for the first time? And that cannot be a 2023 game. This needs to be a game that released prior to 2023 that you played for the first time in 2023, and it is your favorite of those games. Okay, I'll start off with this one here. This is a game that came out last year that I've been playing nonstop on my mobile device that I honestly cannot put down. It is like my go-to game. It is Vampire Survivors. I bought all the DLC, and it's just pure stupid fun. I love it to death. Can't recommend it more to all y'all. But Dale thinks I'm crazy because you just stand there and do nothing. I'm like, because that's how you build your characters properly. So they, the game plays itself and you can go do something else. You come back to it. They just had a crossover event with Among Us. Uh, I think it's like two bucks for the DLC. You get a bunch of Among Us characters and an Among Us map set in the world of Vampire Survivors. It's great. Short, quick, to the point. Love this game. Yeah, Gino, you have a very unhealthy relationship with Vampire Survivors. It's yeah. so <laughs> It's your RuneScape. The amount of time that you wasted, not just of your time, but of my time, okay? The amount of time that you wasted. Yes. Like, the amount of time I've had to wait for you to, like, leave or to go somewhere or, or whatever, just because you were on your phone. Like, I ran into the store, and then Gino was driving. So when I was in the store, he was playing Vampire Survivors. And I get into the car, and we have to wait 10 minutes in the parking lot because Gino's got to die in Vampire Survivors. Like, come on. (laughs) It's true. Mine is actually the very first game I beat this year, and I'm quite proud of myself because I didn't think I had it in me at first. But once I got going in this game, I literally could not put it down. I have not marathoned a game like I've marathoned Persona 5 Royal. I played it on Game Pass. I, I dreamt of Persona 5. Like, this game consumed my my day, my, my, my life, really. Like, like Gino calls Civ, Civilization Series, the time machine. Persona 5 was the time machine. And, like, in a day, I'd go through a month of in-game time. Like, it was just it's such a phenomenal experience. 
And like it made a, me a fan of the series. Like I'm playing Persona Ta- 5 Tactica right now. The Persona 3 remake is coming out next year. I have it pre-installed on my Xbox right now. I bought a physical copy of Persona 5 Royal for Boxing Day. Like I just am all about Persona. And I love how like like it was a Jules' suggestion. He seemed like kind of, I don't know, Mateo, you might not like it. I loved it. And now, like, we're getting other people into the Persona series. Like, Gino played it. We have another friend that's a huge Persona fan now. Like, And he doesn't play video games. Yeah. Like, the soundtrack is fantastic. Like, the story's fantastic. Like, I just love the the sort of, like, episodic nature of the storytelling. And, like, I kind of feeling the same way I felt after I watched The Office for the first time or uh, or Avatar the first time. I'm like, man, it's over. This sucks. I'm never going to like experience the highs of this again. The replay of it will not be the same. So like, I'm just never going to play this game again. I'm just going to remember the first time I had with it and just that will be it. So and I think Persona 5 is one of those games. And those are very rare. I totally forgot that we played this this year. It feels like so long ago. When Mateo said that he played it this year, I was like, and Vino said that Vampire Survival was his <laughs> favorite game of the year. <laughs> when he played Persona 5 for the first time. Persona honestly like captivated the first three months of this year amongst like our entire friend group. Mm-hmm. It was blo- it, it, it was glorious. Not me. I played it long time ago. Although I still haven't played Royal. But you got to relive it through us. Gotta hear about the waifus. My favorite game of 2023, not released in 2023, was also a game that released last year. And it's funny because I was excited for this game to come out. I bought this game the day it came out. And then I didn't play it. And then I picked it up again this year because one of my goals this year in the summer was... I need to play some of the games that I bought at full price that I still haven't played. And the first game I told myself I was going to play was Triangle Strategy. And I told myself, you know, just get your money's worth out of it. I know there's like four endings. You only need to do one. Because I played a little bit of it when it first came out. I played like two levels. And I was like, ah, I don't really like it. It's not close. It's not similar enough to Fire Emblem. I I don't know. But I kept hearing really good things. I kid you not, it is better than every Fire Emblem game I've ever played. That game's strategy is insane. The amount of individual choices you have to make and the consequences of those choices is incredible. Every single individual unit in the game, unlike Fire Emblem where it's like, oh, you have your archers, you have your your axe wielders you have this like every individual unit is a completely different character there's so many playable characters there's so many variations on the story and the story is really good and i was shocked how much i liked that game like i was like actually like i was kind of kicking myself and i was like i really wish i played this in 2022 because then i could have talked about it in the 2022 game of the year awards like and i played a lot of games this year that came out in previous years that I was really impressed by. Just to kind of like name a few. Like I was really impressed by Midnight Suns I played this year. I also played Amori this year. Which was really really good. I played Near Replicant. But th- there was just something about Triangle Strategy. That was just incredible. Highly recommend. Do you know that's the next one on your list? I'm almost done Midnight Suns. Not as high on that game as you are. But it's still a fine game. It's a pretty solid game. Shout out to gotham knights we had a blast playing that game earlier this year um this year yeah that was in like january or february yeah are you sure yes i don't have it on my list 
It's on my list. I look. I made no, sure. No, are you sure? Because I could have sworn I gave Gotham Knights best multiplayer last year. I looked at my achievements. We did not beat that game until this year. Either way, okay. Mm-hmm. Last two. Your favorite game in 2023. Now, when we say favorite game, so we're about to go into the last two, okay? And why don't I just mention them both so we can differentiate? So we're about to talk about our favorite game in 2023, and then after we're going to talk about the 2023 game of the year. Now, the thing that differentiates these two awards is our favorite game in 2023 is our declaration that this game is the one that is our, like when we think about 2023, this is the game we're going to think about because it was our absolute favorite. Like your favorite game might also be your 2023 game of the year, but your favorite game doesn't necessarily have to come with any kind of objective lens. It's your favorite game of 2023. However, we're also going to talk about our 2023 game of the year, and that one does come with a little bit of an objective lens. Like, of course, we still have our subjectivity, but most likely you're not going to be like, my game of the year was the murder of Sonic the Hedgehog, because that's not, like, under no metric should that game be considered a game of the year. So we're about to talk about both of these, what our favorite game is, and what we think was the best game of the year, which includes a little bit of our subjectivity, but also... A, a lot of objectivity as well so to start my favorite game of the year was sea of stars i love sea of stars like i said earlier um i'm a big fan of chrono trigger this game really aimed to be a successor to chrono trigger and honestly what well, that's the reason i backed it but even when i backed it i was like but it won't be like i, I was like that that's a very very high bar to set and like even leading up to it like when they were showing stuff and like because i i got all the backer emails i really didn't follow it a lot because i honestly i didn't have a lot of faith in that game i was like sure it might be good but like stop trying to tell yourself you're going to be anything like chrono trigger like on that level and i was thoroughly shocked how much i liked that game like i was like flabbergasted when i was when i played and i was like like they did it like this game is on the level of chrono trigger i still think conceptually chrono trigger is stronger but gameplay wise sea of stars is way stronger than chrono trigger it set out and it like accomplished the same kind of like really strong core cast that chrono trigger had and it had a very deep narrative that i felt like like with like it had a very intriguing game world with a very like strong core cast of characters and it told a very beautiful story and i actually like like again it was one of the two games that made me cry this year and i i was really 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 happy for the game and i was really really happy that i did back it because as soon as I finished it, I was like, if I hadn't backed this game, I would have regretted that I hadn't backed this game. Like, that's how I feel about Shovel Knight. Every time I play Shovel Knight, I'm like, I wish I backed this game. Like, I wish my name was in the credits of this game. I wish I had the faith in this game to know that it was going to be what it was. And that's how I felt when I finished Sea of Stars. I was like, I'm really happy that I, I took a, a risk on this game. I know it would have gotten backed either way. Um, but I'm really proud that my name is in the credits of this game because this game is honestly exceptional. So that's my favorite game of the year. Would you believe me if I told you I'm still thinking about this? I'm torn. So maybe, Gino, you should go first. I feel like I didn't really play a lot of new games that really left much of a lasting impression for me. I feel like 2023 has a bunch of games that I wanted to play, 
but never got around to playing them because I chose to play different games. This may be an unpopular opinion, but I don't have any drive to go back and finish Spider-Man 2 because I feel like it's very much samey. And I know that's very unpopular to think. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I've also played Mario RPG. Didn't really make that much of a lasting impression on me either. And I feel like I was just playing a lot of like older games like Pokemon DLC, Mario Kart DLC, Persona 5, uh, things like that. But one of the games that like maybe just doing this recording today led me to believe this. But honestly, I think my favorite game this year was Final Fantasy 16. I just wasn't ready for that game. And it just came at the right moment where I'm like, you know, and I just sunk my teeth into it, had a lot of fun, and it just left a lasting impression on me. And I'm very much looking forward to see where the series goes. I would love to see a 16-2 or something else taking part of this world. It, ha- it gets me hyped up for 7 Remake as well. I might finally go back and do Integrade. But yeah, I got to say my favorite game is sixteen uh, Final Fantasy 16 this year. I hate to burst your bubble, Gino, but there is no 16-2. However, there is some DLC. That will be the most we get. For me this year, like I, I have my list of games I completed. And I, like, I know there's tiers in which I place these games in. Like The top three are my three best games of the year. And then I have like another tier of like three or four games. And then there's everything else. And I know two of those top three are my game of the year and my favorite game of the year, but I just don't know what I'm going to do. Like, cause they're all deserving of, of those titles. So like, I might literally just pick my game of the year as my favorite game of the year, because I really think that it's a niche choice because most people really wouldn't consider this to be a game of the year caliber type game. So like, I'm just going to do both of these awards at once. My favorite game of the year And my best game of the year for 2023 is Pikmin 4. And I would not have said that going into this year. I've had no real relationship with the Pikmin series. Like Pikmin 4 was the first Pikmin game I ever beat. I always fell off with 1, 2, 3, and even Hey Pikmin. The amount that game added to the series in terms of quality of life, features, and like design decisions, it was really really monumental the level design is fantastic the addition of ochi is like ochi like if we had an award for like best new character or best like companion or in a game or whatever it would be ochi ochi is so integral to the experience of this game and i'm like when i first saw pikmin unveiled i'm like oh this is a joke like ochi is so, so stupid why would this be fun and when you play the game that just got thrown right out the window. Like, Ochi is integral to this game. The way the story, like, the story's actually really, really fun. And, like, for a Nintendo game, it's pretty good. It pulls on your heartstrings a little bit, too, in times, which is really unexpected. The Dandori, like, like you sort of have, like, an internal competition with yourself. How do I shave some time off of uh, a Dandori challenge? Like, can I do this a little bit better? Like, I've learned a new technique that can improve my time uh, in a level... The, the settings, like having Pikmin in real world settings in Pikmin 4 was really fun. And like, that's a long time coming for the series, in my opinion. And just, yeah, like having the time limit, but not really needing the time limit, if that makes sense, is something I really appreciated. And like the entire Olimar plot was fantastic. In order for Pikmin 4 to be game of the year going into this year for me, like everything would have had to hit and everything hit. 
I don't want to like detract on Zelda or Spider-Man because those are my other two top games of the year. But Spider-Man and Zelda are still similar enough to the previous games in the series where like, yes, it's a new game. They did add new things. But Pikmin 4, as someone who almost was debating even buying this game when it came out, and I bought it, and man, am I happy I made that choice. Like, I almost didn't play my game of the year. I'm so happy I played this game. So many of our friends got into Pikmin, and just like, it became like Persona 5, it came like a community game, and it came out at the right time too. So like, it was a great game to play in the window it was out, and just, I just love everything about this game. and. I'm so excited for myself to go back to other Pikmin games now that I get it. Like, that's what I feel like. I feel like I finally get it. It took four games, but now I get it. If you haven't played Pikmin 4, even if you don't care about Pikmin or like these tactical sort of strategy games, do it. It is so, 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 so fun. So good. And Ochi is the best boy. So pikmin 4 is both my favorite game of the year and my pick for game of the year wow i think this is actually a very good segue mateo like i know you've kind of already said that it's also your game of the year and i'm i think i'll get you to to restate that in a sec yeah well (laughs) actually well the other reason that it's a good segue is because before we go into game of the year we're actually going to talk about something else which was are there any games you wanted to mention that you haven't gotten to mention up till now um and pikmin 4 is one of those games for me like pikmin 4 didn't win anything for me but like everything you said like pikmin 4 really wowed me it really blew me away and i was really really impressed by it i i couldn't pick it for any of the categories because there was just something better in each of those categories for me because it was such a strong year for me but pikmin 4 is fantastic but i think like before we say our game of the year just like quickly mention any games you played this year that that you feel should be mentioned and didn't get mentioned up until this point mm-hmm. i really only have one um and i think it'll be mentioned by you guys anyway um but i i just think it it needs to be mentioned that star wars jedi survivor was fantastic yeah and had it released in a different year it could have been the game of the year it had a really tough crowd of games this year with so many high profile sequels coming out as well as a bunch of games that just kind of came out of nowhere and blew people out of the water but like the jump like the improvement from jedi fallen order which i think all of us really enjoyed but critically it was kind of like deemed as like this is a really good game but it's nothing super great like, the jump from Fallen Order to Survivor was nuts. Like, Survivor is the best Star Wars game. And I can say that very confidently. It is the best Star Wars game. At least from a gameplay perspective. Say what you want about KOTOR's story and whatever. But, like, from a pure gameplay perspective, Jedi Survivor is exactly what I talked about with, with Spider-Man. And, like, the rush of feeling like Spider-Man. It, that's what I get from Jedi Survivor. Like, I feel feel like a jedi and it's like that's what i want out of star wars games and that game embodied it so well Mm -hmm. um so i'm i i I didn't get to mention that game for anything and pikmin 4 was the other one i would have wanted to mention but both of those games very stellar games in a different year probably would have won way more awards and would have been mentioned way more but 
they had the unfortunate fate of launching in the same year as like every other major game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do want to bring up the elephant in the room that is Baldur's Gate 3. This game is definitely something that's like right up my alley. And I feel like a lot of us would have gone into it because of like it has the multiplayer aspects and all that kind of stuff had it not released this year, as well as had us not be actually playing a campaign game right now in like our actual tabletops. So that is something that I hopefully want to get to next year. And I can put Baldur's Gate 3 as my uh, as the game yeah. that will not placed in 2024 as best game. Because I know, like, I've only played the intro of it and, like, maybe an hour out of the intro. And it's super fun. And Jules and Mateo, I think you guys would have a lot of fun if we do a Let's Play. I'm buying it when that really cool physical edition comes out. And uh-huh. I will gladly next year play it with you. Okay. Mateo, you get it on Xbox and we can play it all together, too. <laughs> Maybe. I have a few games. Just like to add on to what you said about Jedi Survivor Jewels is that also the game kind of didn't launch like it it was playable, but like it could have used a little bit more time. And like as we were playing that game, it was getting patches and I noticed a very, very big improvement from when I finished the game to when I started the game. And even after I beat the game, it still got more patches. I feel like if it launched in a better state, it would probably get a little bit more acclaim as well but like i still i still gave cameron monahan my award for best actor and like jedi survivors spider-man 2 if sea of stars didn't get added to game pass i would not have played that game and persona 5 those are like the big examples for me of like i would not have played these games otherwise and like sea of stars missed out on a few awards like so close same thing with Star Wars, same thing with Spider-Man, even like uh, Mario Wonder, I would have given it more awards. But the big, big one that I didn't even consider really for anything was Assassin's Creed Mirage. And I really liked Assassin's Creed Mirage. It was a good return to form for the series because all the Assassin's Creed games prior to it, they're too big, they're too long. They're great games still, but like I, it made me miss the days of early Assassin's Creed, like 1, 2, and Brotherhood specifically. So, like, Mirage is more of a... It's a 20-hour game, really, really small scale, but it still feels big, if that makes sense. The story's really great. It's, like, the most, like, 7, 8 out of 10 game you'd ever play, but I highly recommend it. If you have, like, any itch to go back to Assassin's Creed and you don't want to devote a lot of time to it, I would play Assassin's Creed Mirage. And also... Earlier in the podcast, I talked crap about Disney Speedstorm, but Disney Speedstorm is really fun. It's a great racing game. Honestly, I, I kind of mentioned as a joke the murder of Sonic the Hedgehog, and don't get me wrong, if I had to pay money for that game, maybe it wouldn't have been worth it, but fun little free game. Okay, game of the year. Mateo already kicked it off. If you just kind of want to give us a quick summary again of your game of the year. Uh, yeah, I uh, picked Pikmin 4, so if you haven't played it, play it. It is the best pikmin game it's not the most popular decision but i'm gonna stand by it because it was just so fun so unexpected and i could not play that game down it literally like when i was at work i was thinking about pikmin like how many pikmin would it take to move this thing or like i feel like a pikmin doing my job right now like that's how like deep pikmin went in my mind at that time like it it was so fantastic and I'm so happy that I was able to play it. Okay, I'm going to say mine next, because I have a feeling me and Gino have the same one, and he's beating me to the punch on all the other categories, so I'm beating him to the punch on this one. Um, I mean, I think it's obvious at this point, it's won most of my awards, and 
you know, I, I actually didn't think this. Like, I, like even part way through the year, I was like, I, I don't know if it will still be my game of the year. But, like, just looking back on it and thinking about which game did I have the most fond memories of and which game was I most impressed by, it has to be Final Fantasy sixteen, And I know that that's divisive within the Final Fantasy community because I know many in the Final Fantasy community do not like the direction of Final Fantasy and the way it's been going. But I stand by this. Final Fantasy 16 is arguably the best Final Fantasy game I've played. It's not always the best representation of what the series is, but I also think Final Fantasy as a series is actually quite diverse and vast. I think that it is some of the most fun and engaging action RPG gameplay I've ever played. I think it feels flashy and fun. It's almost like big boy Kingdom Hearts. Like that I think that's what I liked about it. Is it's like it's all the rush of playing Kingdom Hearts, but with like the sophistication and the maturity of like an adult game. Like this is this is a First of all, it is a hard fantasy setting, which has never been done in Final Fantasy, despite the fact that it's called Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy has always been a tech-infused fantasy setting. This was hard Renaissance fantasy, like kingdoms and dukes and duchesses and warring nations no ma- like no magitech no sky ships well a little bit a little yeah. bit a little bit of it but like not even close to the level of any other final fantasy very very grounded in the concept of fantasy and i loved that setting i loved the story i loved the music i loved the characters i I'm still blown away at how much it made me feel um, and just how much of a rush it was. And you know, what I, I what I really just appreciate about the game is that sometimes, and like not everybody, and I think this is why it's kind of like divisive as a, as a game. People have different ideas of what Final Fantasy should be. And Final Fantasy to me has never been about turn-based, about menus. Like even though it's an RPG series, Final Fantasy has always been about spectacle and back in the ps1 era and even the ps2 era the best way to do that spectacle with the technical limitations was to do something turn-based because the way that you could like make the like the feeling of the battles and like the cinematics of it like and the way you could deliver the story worked best that way but this game i feel really captured what Final Fantasy is, which is telling this grand, epic, big narrative with massive, like, over-the-top moments and, like, doing it, like, just going all out. And I literally, like, every single time I got into a boss fight, I was, like, jaw-dropping how much they were one-upping the previous one. Like, I couldn't believe... Like, there were times where I'm like, my PS5 is going to explode. The Titan fight, holy And, and even though the gameplay sometimes in those segments was a little bit shallower than, like, the core gameplay at the, at the expense of making it more spectacle, 
I didn't mind because I thought it was just cool. That's what I loved about the game is I really just felt like every moment of that game felt so cool and so big. And they just went so hard with the music and the, the cinema, uh, cinema uh, the cinematics and just like, it was like, unlike any game I've ever played. Like I've never played a game with that level of scale with how hard it went. Like usually when you get games of that scale, you, you usually get like, Graphics are usually the first thing to take a hit. Yeah. Like Xenoblade, for example. Like Xenoblade has good graphics, but they're not like amazing. But like this was like pushed graphical limitations while also making everything big. And there were times where I was like watching, I was like, how did they do this? Like, how is there a like operatic symphony going on in the background while the world is being blown up in like 4k like highly detailed graphics between two massive monsters with like fire and light effects pouring out like i'm like i don't even know how they're doing this right now like how is my ps5 not bursting into flames right now mine crashed once it was disappointing and i'm like you know what this is understandable at the same time but that's the thing is I, I think that's why it's like it will always hold like this really big place in my your heart like in my heart I guess yeah is that <laughs> it it's it was just and I wasn't expecting it I really wasn't when they announced Final Fantasy 16 I was like yay because it's Final Fantasy but I didn't follow it a lot which I often do just to preserve like the integrity of the story and the integrity of the games but I genuinely just didn't think it was going to be like that good i was like you know it'll be like final fantasy 13 or 15 where i will probably like it and have to fight online at people being like it's really bad and like having valid points but being like i liked it anyway whereas i genuinely believe people are just wrong when they don't like this game like i really just think people don't like this game because they want final fantasy to be what it was and that's fine you can want final fantasy to be what it was but for what i want out of final fantasy which is spectacle and these big moments, which is what Final Fantasy VII Remake is giving me. Like, everything in this game, scale-wise, is better than anything in Final Fantasy VII. Like, it it highlighted to me how even with them bringing Final Fantasy VII into the scale that this game is, that the moments in that game, as iconic as they are, can never be as big as these ones, because these ones, they went in being like, how can we make this game as bonkers as it can be? And it's just so good. Big Boy Kingdom Hearts. Honestly, Jules, I'm just going to do slash agree. Everything you said, yes. If you would have told me at the beginning of this year that none of us would have picked Zelda or Spider-Man as the game of the year, I would not have believed you. That's a big surprise. And that's like, the thing. And it's shocking because I, same thing, after Zelda and after I played Final Fantasy 16, I was like, I think I like Final Fantasy 16 better. And I was really, really shocked. But I was like, I don't, I don't think that'll be the case. I'm like, by the end of the year, I, I'm sure Spider-Man is going to like be better. And don't get me wrong, Spider-Man was amazing. I loved Spider-Man, but I still just kept thinking back. Like when I was writing this, I was like, I was like, I loved Spider-Man, but I'm like, but Spider-Man and Zelda, like as much as I love them, they did not wow me the way that this like 16 yeah. did. And like when I put the controller down in Pikmin 4, because I beat Pikmin 4 before anyone. And I told you, I'm like, Pikmin 4 is my game of the year. And I remember I felt almost not judged, but like really people, like I don't feel like that take was taken seriously. And then when everyone started to beat Pikmin 4... They got where I was coming from. I felt that way with Mario Odyssey. Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild were 
neck and neck. And then Mario Odyssey came out in, at the end of that year. And I played it. I'm like, okay, that was something else. And I felt that way after Pikmin 4. And I can't ignore that. So that's why I'm going with Pikmin 4 for, for my choice. But I feel like Final Fantasy 16, Pikmin 4, like games like that, were under the radar because of how much attention we were putting onto the quote-unquote big games like Zelda, like Spider-Man. And the hype cycle wasn't to the same degree. So in a way, like it, had a, it, it was easier for our expectations to be blown away compared to like a game where Zelda were like, we know this is going to be good, and it meets that. Well, it was a great year in gaming. Lots to love. And we hope 2024, I mean, as I say, we hope 2024 is just as good, but it won't be. <laughs> I'm sure they'll have really good games. If Suicide Squad hits, this is a hard year to top. It was a difficult year also. Like, it was a great year for games, but just, like, at what cost? There's a website tracking as many, all the all the layoffs and all that stuff happened. So I, I wanted to just take a quick moment to basically thank all the devs that put their blood, sweat, and tears into making these games. Mm-hmm. And it might not uh, it might not get to, to someone who maybe worked on one of those things, but we are very blessed that people in the industry care as much as they do. And if someone out there is listening and you have uh, you have been laid off, my heart definitely does go out to you. And I just want to say thanks for all these wonderful moments. Mm-hmm. All the best in 2024. I'm sure you'll land on your feet. Thank you. That's a good thing to acknowledge, you know. Mm-hmm. As for the hub world in early 2024, we have a trip coming. And I know we didn't report really on the last trip we did, but I have a feeling we're going to with this one. We will be attending the Sonic Symphony in Seattle. And uh, I think first episode of next year probably should be our impressions of the symphony. And I'll like put pictures of our, our trip and stuff in there. And and to leave a little seed there too. I know, Mateo, you have an unboxing video coming soon. Yes. Ooh. Well, I, I mean, it's not going to be an unboxing anymore because I couldn't contain myself. But oh, okay. it will be a review. More podcasts, more game hauls, more of what we love to make. So you'll see some stuff coming up. Um, but that brings us to the end of today's episode. If you liked what you heard today, hit the like, subscribe, or follow button. If you want to contribute to the conversation, let us know any ideas for upcoming episodes in 2024, or just to tell us what your favorite games of the year were, or your least favorite games, uh, just throw a comment down. We'll see you next time at the Hub World in 2024. Mateo, can you let them know what we hope to see in 2024? Hopefully, Microsoft will make a new banjo game. See everybody. Hey!